You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides, your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 89, recorded October 18th, 2020. The topic for this episode is Duress and Egress, part one. I am your host for this episode. My name is Orchid. I am Elemist. We have a special guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name is Wicked Jester. <gasps> We've had you so many times. Welcome back. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a gift that just keeps giving. <laughs> Yay. Wicked, where can we find Kinda you? Kind of like some other things. Oh, God. <laughs> what were you? What? Like re-gifting. What? I'm, I, I'm the re-gifted uh, podcast guest. You're saying <laughs> Wicked's the fruitcake of the podcast? <laughs> sure. Oh, God. Um. Everybody brings me, but nobody wants to eat me. Wow. <laughs> I mean, all right. All right. Not, not what I would have. Wow. That's not very. He's not gonna want to come back. He's gonna have to go overseas to cleanse himself of all of this. Well, it, it just so happens. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, Wicked, where can we find you? So I am on Twitter, YouTube, um, as well as Reddit and Discord. Everything uh, pretty much as far as social media under the same title. Uh, Wicked Jester, W-Y-K-I-D-J-E-S-T-R. Awesome. And so you have a, your latest video was very successful. Um, I'm just going to like talk about that before we go into podcast info. So do you want to sure. tell us a little bit about your latest video? So the latest video that I did covered essentially a theory based upon hive ascendancy and how they have, or how they reach immortality and some of the potential delusions that we have allowed ourselves to have over the hive uh, as far as what we have believed they're capable of, um, as far as resurrection capabilities. And basically goes into discussion about how uh, potentially the hive are not as immortal as we think they are. They're not capable of defying death as so much to the extent as we have given them the ability or, or the uh, belief to. Uh, one of those things would be, for instance, reincarnation, where you've got like just like just like in human history where people have been quote unquote brought back from the dead where they're actually just given the person's title because they're so much like them uh, and so that's one of the things that I think is a possibility for the hive culture is that instead of actually resurrecting uh, for instance Zybu Arath and Sabathun whenever orcs killed them in the ascendant plane they're actually just being uh, quote as for all intents and purposes reincarnated that's so really cool. they're not, yeah, and that's how Oryx is able to keep the power that he has as far as uh, Sabathun's cunning and Zyboroth's strength is because he's not actually bringing back his sisters the way Nocris would, but he's basically reimagining them in somebody else so that it's still a completely separate entity and he's not defying the sword logic in that manner. 
That's really cool. So you can find that on YouTube, on your channel. Yes. And like, mm-hmm. be obnoxious and hit that like and subscribe button while you're there. Please do. Please do. Yeah. Well, for our podcast info, uh, we encourage feedback. You can um, find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore. You can find me at hey, it's orchid. You can find Elemist at I underscore am underscore Elemist. Yes. Um, you can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. Instagram, guardians of lore. Uh, please review us wherever you can find the podcast, except Spotify. You can find us on our Discord. We uh, Our link is not going to change. Our Discord is just going to get a little bit larger as we absorb focused fire chat and become our more perfect shape. The final shape, if you the will. The final shape. <laughs> So you make it you make it sound like we're we're absorbing a twin or something. We are <laughs> we're becoming the final shape. The final shape of the podcast. <laughs> the podcast isn't changing, it's just the server's getting a little bit bigger. So Yeah. It's fine. There's still pet pics. Like, That's this, all I care about. I have this really, really weird mental image right now of like an amoeba like consuming its twin <laughs> it's right? more of like it's more of like right? a, honestly i have this little like purple like jelly monster in my mind just go <laughs> just like <laughs> have you guys ever played the game spore yes i have mm-hmm. that's a fun in game the very first part of the game you play a single-celled organisms uh-huh. Running around just eating uh-huh. other organisms or uh-huh. algae. Uh-huh. That's kind of what I'm picturing. <laughs> that's fun. Yep, that's about it was, what's happening. Oh, you can also find our info at thelornetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. Unlike Wicked Jester here. Dot com. Yay! So, this week at Guardians Hush of peanut. Lore, <laughs> <laughs> slash the twoggle. Um so we talked a bit about Wicked's video. Wicked, Wicked, um, you've also been on our Good Friends podcast, the Spinfoil Theory podcast, several times. Yes, I have. You just got your fifth episode? Yep, I got the, uh, the, the Five Timers Club Lounge. That's very and, nice. Uh, Guardian Lords is, or yeah, the Spin Foil Theories podcast uh, Discord. Nice. So it's got it's it's got a couch that apparently is going to get uh, bronzed upon my return. So I don't, so. I don't. <laughs> and this is where he sat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is the mm-hmm. arm that he had. Oh, never mind. Oh, ew, <laughs> ew. Okay. Well, you guys are all. Elemis and I have both been on that podcast before, and Taylor B. and the Bagels are both good friends of ours. They'll mm. actually oh, be yeah. on our show in a couple of weeks, but wow. Nice. <laughs> Just wow. Well, I'm really uh, glad that you're having a good time. Absolutely. On yeah, all I, lo- I love being on the, yeah, I love being on the uh, Lore Podcast. Love guesting. Yeah. So. Jeez Louise. The whole couch. Not just the cushion, but the whole couch. 
Wait, wait, what did I miss? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I missed something. I missed something of importance here. <laughs> it's probably right, but it, I, I still missed it. So. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope, <laughs> no, okay, very we're well. We're moving on. Um, I, when we opened the show notes this morning, there was only one point in here that we're going to say, and it just said, fuck the corrupted GM. So all of us. Four hours. Oh, really? Because it took me like 45 minutes. Yeah. Fuck you. That's because I no, told you last it... week, the hint to doing GMs is bring your own Australians. <laughs> no, I, I went in with the fire team and they were really apprehensive about doing the final boss. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to get the orbs from the elevator all the way to the final boss so we could chase we the did. boss. That's what we did. I kept dying at the drop. Oh. Because I'm a titan. I have to give like a certain amount of, of distance so that my jump will cushion <laughs> my fall. And on a Grandmaster... You can do a regular jump and die from a freaking pebble. Yep. I know, because so I died I on the way down. So I was consistently, like, just smacking the ground and just, like, killing the next nine lives I had. The, oh, you the had greatest, nine? The greatest enemy in all the Grandmaster Nightfalls. <laughs> Granite pebble number 45. <laughs> right? God. I, I, one of the... the teammates that i ran with um he did the festering core and he literally just did a regular jump and landed on a rock the wrong way and it just flung him (laughs) and so like the biggest joke we have is obviously you're 25 light under that rock obviously (laughs) that's how they work and, and Lake of Shadows with those stairs in that final room. Uh... Mm-hmm. Like, the, the enemies are fine. It's the jumps that kill you. Mm-hmm. We yeah, took the, the really low path across instead of going around um, to get to Sidia. Because we, um, we took the balls from the elevator as well. And, yeah, it was the drop down. Like, A, that drop killed me. So they two-manned yeah. Sadia at the end. And I was nice. dead and watched them. <laughs> so they're like, oh, we can two-man it. I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, and see. Morgan's just sitting there having a nice little conversation with a ghost. <laughs> I'm just watching them through my, yeah, I'm just watching them, like, dead. <laughs> And they're just like throw the ball like an unbelievable amount of damage. Throw the other ball. Oh yeah. Unbelievable amount of damage. And then like they she had a sliver on her. They start the thing, just obliterate her and end the they end the strike. Yeah. And they're like, Yep, yeah, we're done. I'm like, What? That's it? <laughs> they're like, yep. Yeah. It, it, like mm. That way you don't deal with the waves upon waves upon waves of ads. Yeah. And you don't have to go into the ascendant plane or anything. It's just, it's a right there and simple. Does. So much completion. better. 
Well, it's but not the, a simple the conclusion because it's getting drop. to that point. Yeah. yeah, the problem is getting that through that drop without dying. I like, didn't as a titan. It. I could not, especially yeah. with the fact that we I was carrying a ball, so I was looking in third person, couldn't look yeah. down. Yeah. So you don't know when that dro- that that land is coming. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing. Like everybody's everybody gets gets on to me about the uh, warlock jump, and they're like, "Oh, the warlock jump so hard to get used to." The the titan jump for me is what mm-hmm. is, is the one that's so difficult for me, just because of that one factor where it it's not a stop. It's not a okay adjust. It's a okay. I gotta it, it, time it so that it hydraulics down. And it's like, right, Ooh. right. <laughs> well, and and so it, I have a theory that. Well, a clanmate has a theory that uh, you're allowed to be good at two jumps, and one jump is gonna be your horrible jump. Hmm. Like, you're excellent mm-hmm. at one, you're okay with the other, and then one you just absolutely hate. Yep. And it's different for everybody, but, yeah. Like, Titan jumps, I'm amazing with. I know exactly when to time things so that I can get the most distance, get the most height, etc. But, like, Warlock jumps are the complete <laughs> opposite of how I Titan jump. Yeah. This is true. Yeah, yeah no, we um they did it like way different than I've ever done it before. So and they're just like, Yeah, let's go. I'm like, oh, okay. This is fun. It was fun though. I had a good time. I did it with um DNF Dead Man and Senshi Boy. My gotcha. bring your own Australians. And see, I did it Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Because I was only going to dedicate a couple hours, and then I had to finish editing the episode. Mm-hmm. So it was like, all right, guys, this is our last shot. And then we ended up getting it. And I'm like, that's what we needed. It was just kicking the ass. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you got it. I just need one more. I still need four. Oh, but like well, it's this was back. the worst. Yeah, this one's the worst one. This was the worst. So like, the other four, I'm I'm good with. Yeah. I you know I I don't know because Garden World was way worse than this one. If you can cheese the boss, it's not that bad. Yeah, but you, you can't can cheese run. the Garden World. Garden World, you can't run hunters. Cheese. Yeah, you but run you, hunters. You can go through the majority of it skipping ads. But you can't. Yeah, but you can't cheese the boss. You get fucked in that room. No, at the you end, you can cheese the boss for the Garden World. Yeah. How? So you know the the four Minotaurs that have the shields. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you sit just properly, like right behind the Minotaur, and crouch, you can shoot through their legs, and you still get the benefit of their shield. Yeah, that's not cheesing the boss. That's just using their legs. They just have fantastic calves. (laughs) We did the same thing, and we still got slapped. (laughs) 
because Bungie fixed that. Yeah. Hmm? I've, was, I've got teammates who did it just last week. That's so yeah. I'm, no, we did we did it last week too. It was still rough. <laughs> it was still very very rough. But yeah, uh, it was. Um, I don't know. I I'm not expecting to do platinum for any of them. I'm just really glad that. Oh God, no. I've done platinum for all like, of them except this one. Obviously, we just skipped them. The majority of them, we only did enough. To, we only did enough champions to like get through it. <laughs> so we had tokens to rest. I still have not even done a grandmaster nightfall yet. There's Lake of Shadows. If if you're gonna do any of them, Lake of Shadows. It is by far the easiest one to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's. You could sit there and farm it. All right. Um, like we were getting them done in twenty minutes, thirty minutes. It it wasn't too bad. All right. I'll I'll have to check um, those out. Like like I said, I just, it's mainly just getting the group of three on and at the at the right time, and then everybody being in the mood of okay, who wants to sweat for a little bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and, and like you got to get the loadout right and everything, and it's just yeah, yeah. Um, but to go back on on Orchid's thing, you don't really need platinum. But I like the rewards because I want to be flush with golf balls. Well, but like you get a golf ball for just completing it anyway. But golf balls, I want so yeah, many. Yeah, you get a golf ball for completing it. Golf balls. It is a guaranteed drop. Well, now you like, get like, oh, here's two exotics. <laughs> here's like 16 golf balls. I wish they'd stop Trust giving me, I us wish exotics. They would give 16 golf balls. I wish they'd stop giving us two exotics. Oh, here's common exotics. Stop giving me exotics. I already have, Bungie. Yeah, yeah I, I'm way less interested in the exotics than I am with the golf balls. I want golf balls. I don't want exotics. And, and see, I'm the kind of person who I'm trying to figure out builds and everything. So mm -hmm. I like the fact that they're giving us double exotics there no oh well you because, can have them because like it's a big difference between a 65 stat that you know mm -hmm. drops from a, a grandmaster and one you can pull from collections well yeah at 48 everybody knows that you get the best gear from the seasonal pass anyway so <laughs> this is true yeah uh, that's what I'm waiting for. Is that every season pass I've gotten one that's been like an, a 71 or a 72 drop. Yep. Uh, base stat. Mm -hmm. So I'm just that's what I'm Jeez. waiting on. I have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got two, three of my stats right now on my warlock are above 70. Natural. Yep. I mm -hmm. have a couple. I have I have one Jeez. one trials arms is a natural 71. I have uh, Iron Banner legs that are a 72. And the rest I've gotten that are 70, at least, are from the um, season pass. Yeah. And those are unmasterworked? Yep. Yeah, that was unmasterworked. So my, oh my, 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 leg, my, legs, my legs right now, my best set of legs is a 93 masterworked. My God. Like, the highest I've ever seen was 
69. Nice. And that was on one piece of armor. Oh, God. That's um, delayed. But no, that was on one piece of armor. And, mm-hmm. like, everything else was 66 or less. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm working with. But, fuck, 71. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I could only wish. That's okay. It knows that you want it too badly. You have to pretend that you don't want it, and then Bungie will give it to you. Well, and it's it's not even that I I want it. It's just it would be nice. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Alamist. Hey, Orchid. Orchid's the harbinger of your perfection. <laughs> of my perfection. These attacks hurt you. I sense your weakness. I, you don't. You've never played Mass Effect Two. This means nothing to you. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I wrote in this show, I was so excited. I finally got my Harbinger title last night after like a stream helped me find the stupid like lunar scavenger. Everyone's pooling all their stupid resources trying to find it, mm-hmm. and. We finally found it, killed it, and then had to do all this extra bullshit to, like, get the letters to, like, give to Eris. And um, then, yeah, I really wanted it so I could be Harbinger so then I could just wear the title and then spout, like, Mass Effect 2, like, Harbinger (laughs) lines while wearing it. So now I can just, like, scream while in Crucible, like, I sense your weakness. We are limitless. (laughs) <laughs> what's the oh, oh dear god, god part <laughs> oh dear god uh, that was <laughs> the oh. show notes now just have like a list of things that I would say <laughs> random phrases <laughs> they're just lines that Harbinger no, says in Mass like, Effect 2 so I'm two nightmare hunt time trials away from Harbinger um Tanix and Zydron, I think. So we did like... the time trials before they nerfed sniper rifles and Luna Faction boots. Mm. That so you were helpful. running around with... Um, we were running around with um, Izanagi's Burden and Well. Izzy's and Well. Uh-huh. So we had, we had, um, we had Divine Izzy's because I had Divinity on and Sam had Izanagi's burden and we'd throw a well down and we'd melt the boss with like a minute to spare and that's how we did the time trials for every single one of them I I will say this one of the things that I don't like like the because I don't and this is something I've talked about with uh, bagels and and a lot of people as far as the discord and everything like I don't do a lot of raids so I don't have any of the raid exotics at all so me running through and doing the time trials it seems like everybody is using at least some kind of raid exotic to get to that point either anarchy or you know granted izanagi's burden is not a raid road i have that one that one's easy enough but um but yeah like a lot of the stuff for what was it the um the new dungeon that we got uh prophecy 
Prophecy, yeah. A lot of the people that are talking about, oh yeah, you got to use freaking anarchy for it, or you got to do thousand voices, and I'm just like, and what about the people who don't have that? <laughs> I've I've got a video to send you. Um, mm-hmm. It's from Daystrix Gaming, and he mm-hmm. goes into like, these would be amazing if you had, but these are still good. These are still you know the things that you want to look mm-hmm. for. If you can't get any of those, this would still work. Like, he breaks it down specifically so that you don't need the raid exotic. It's a nice-to-have, not a must-have. Yeah, that's, that's basically what I've been trying to, like, help out on Twitter with people. Is Like, there's been a couple of them asking as far as, like, the prophecy dungeon. I have not soloed it yet, but I can get up to the boss solo. Mm-hmm. So that's, I've gotten to that point with it and with no exotic weapons equipped nice so that's really hard to do so yeah running uh mountaintop with gnawing hunger and the uh the sword freaking falling guillotine (laughs) fall yeah falling guillotine so three weapons that are with the exception of mountaintop obviously fairly easy to get or are fairly common Mm -hmm. in the community right now so good job and of course running well running well warlock (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, I ran and, and Devour, <laughs> honestly. Oh, you did? I yeah. did well for the first encounter, and then mm-hmm. I did Devour the rest of it. Yep. Um, another another one that's really good, um, mm-hmm. especially for the, the cube room, Risk Runner. Yep. Yeah, Risk Runner is a good one to use for that one. Like, even if you're not actually using Risk Runner, it's still going to be amazing just to keep it on you. For the, was, the damage resistance. On that note, for those in, for those individuals who enjoy bows, uh, the Trinity it, uh, Ghoul is really good. Trinity Ghoul, yeah. That's oh what God, Sam yes. uses in that room. Mm-hmm. I use Xenophage because it one hits the snipers. Yeah. So it gets them out of the way really quickly, so I don't have to worry about them taking me out by them one hitting me with their bullshit. Yeah. Well, and, and that way you spawn the knights quicker. Yep. Like, instead mm-hmm. of having to unload half a, a magazine of gnawing hunger into something, you just one shot and you're looking for the knight. Yep. But blap, blap. See, the great, thing about run, the, run, the great thing about running the gnawing hunger is that I always, well, I always my main build uh, for assault rifles includes an Ezrex Sin. Yep. That's why so I run that I, with the yeah, Devour. Always. <laughs> I am always getting my super. <laughs> well, and, and so I, I specifically ran that. Uh, I think I did Nezirax, um mm-hmm. And I had, uh, I think it was subsistence and demolitionist on my gnawing hunger. So I just constantly mm-hmm. had my nade. I would eat my nade whenever I needed the health. Yep. Yeah. That's a good build. I'll have to try that one. Mm-hmm. No, I, that kept me alive. Yeah. Honestly, that helped me way more than a well did. For all of it. That, and there's the fact that it, you, like, you just have to get another kill while Devour is procced. Mm-hmm. And then you've got health regen going again. Mm-hmm. It, it super, gets so nice. <laughs> it's so nice. Anyway, we have one more 
topic on here and then we can move into an ad this is my favorite thing i heard on twitter last night perfect aim <laughs> got a cease and desist from bungie for people who don't play on pc i'm gonna educate you for a second uh pc has a cheating problem don't know if you heard about that um what i know no. it's so weird right you console players are just living in some sort of ivory fucking tower over there but those of us who play what? on pc <laughs> those of us pc sweats over here <laughs> are aim botted wall hacked um lag switched like ddos into oblivion when we're in just control for some reason all the time why do you think I never touched Crucible on PC? God, I, like last night I was playing with uh, my mate Spoonie at like, for me, 3, 3 a.m. So really mm -hmm. like six hours ago I was playing Crucible with my mate Spoonie. <laughs> um, and we were just getting, we were playing against this one team and they were just like 100% like headshot kill rate there's no freaking way and we're both like well they better use it now because they're not gonna be able to in a month or so <laughs> i think my favorite one that i ever saw was the flying multi-fire uh war clip oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. where you it just looks like there's a like you ever see those pictures of the military aircraft shooting like the flares and shit out the mm -hmm. back end of their and that's basically like the entire crucible match is just one guy flying through the air and it, the war clips just constantly. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, what the shit is this? Yep. Yeah. Those You're you like... don't the obvious hacks you don't see as often, but the people who you barely peek out and they hit a hundred percent headshots all the mm -hmm. time. Um, yeah. You you get fairly regularly. And you're oh, just yeah, like they're, they're, they're salty right now. You're, it's it's made Crucible really really sweaty, and it's made me not take it seriously at all. So I don't know. It's it's just. Ugh. I would take no. the fact that you ran into so many of them last night as a sign and a like because right now you know all those people who are getting who paid perfect aim all that money. Mm -hmm. For all those freaking cheats and everything else like mm -hmm. that, for them to get shut down, they are so salty right oh, now. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah, they, it, like I would expect it for the next week and a half or so. Like if they owned any software at all from oh, them, yeah. they're going to be using the shit out. Oh of, yeah, the next week. <laughs> and it was like so when we were playing, it was about dinner time for Spoonie, um, because they're about six hours behind me. So mm. yeah, three, four, nine o'clock. Nine, eight, eight, nine o'clock ish, but it's about what time it was on the East Coast, and it was probably about the same time we were getting a lot of Chinese players because we were skipping servers around, trying to find a server mm -hmm. that was between us. So we were playing a lot of servers in like mainland China with fucking aimbots on, and we're like, why is this our life now? <laughs> <laughs> just, wow. So I am no, so well, happy. Bungie, thank you so much for just Right. It it's gonna make you. the game healthier. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now now like what I love is the fact that even on console, I've I've 
run into people who are like, oh, they're they're using Aimbot, and I'm like, how do you install that on an Xbox? You don't. Right. They're just better than you, bro. Exactly. I I think honestly the worst thing that I've ever the worst thing that I've ever like legitimately questioned as to whether or not they're like there's any cheating at all whatsoever going on like if I'm able to see if I see somebody who's performing a maneuver that doesn't look like it's possible using a, a controller for instance like the sliding backward have you ever seen mm-hmm. that happen where like they'll jump and they'll move the slide but as they're sliding forward they'll move back yeah <laughs> and usually it's more attributed to lag or anything something like that so it's I try to avoid accusing people of or automatically assuming people are cheating on console just because of the fact in the nature that it, it's just harder to manipulate a console than it is yeah. the actual freaking yeah uh, well perfect aim was was is a perfect is a perfect example of uh, <laughs> cheaters because it was the easiest and the cheapest way to do it um, it was mm-hmm. also the cleanest install if you were going to cheat at all like that is the way you were going to do it because it was a really easy like executable file that you could just open and that you were very unlikely to have a bunch of malware in it uh, mm-hmm. other files that oh, yeah. you were going to download like yeah there are other companies that do it but yeah. those uh, aimbots and those wall hacks etc all um those all have malware. Those all have, you know, tr- viruses in them. So you can see the level of pity that I that I would care. Exactly. Really I don't really care, but at the same time, right. like, <laughs> at the same time, if you're on a university system playing Destiny and like you install that, yeah. like you've now fucked your university. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, if the university is set up right, they'll just kick you off the inter- you know, the network, until you get it fixed. Yeah, but, you know, the university hasn't set themselves up, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's why I said, if they did. But you know they they didn't. didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but hey, yay, Bungie, perfect aim band. (laughs) (laughs) And, And, like, this is setting the precedence like they're starting to work on getting cheats out of PC. I think they're going to start coming mm-hmm. after you. You think so? Oh, I think this is like, yeah. I would, I would like to see that. I would like to see Bungie have an aggressive, like an openly aggressive policy towards people who are pushing out the cheats at the very least, if not those individuals who are caught cheating. I mean, like I think that would go a long way with the PC, especially on the PC side of the community and, people going over to the pc side of the community i think the pc side has been so tarnished especially with trials it's been really hard to get match made i prefer to play on pc Mm -hmm. but it's been really hard to get matches done and it's become a lot sweatier because of the shrinking and like the dwindling player base because everyone's going to console just for trials yeah just because of this yeah yeah because they're like, well, we don't want to like, deal we... with cheaters, so we're just going to go over there. I'm like, yeah, but now you're lag switching, so. And, and then the raid race. Yeah, like, the raid race is a big right one, now. but I think because they're moving yeah. to a different, like, uh, the way that they are building their tools now. 
is going to be a little bit different. I think. And now, like, it, as far oh. as the raid race goes, and I'm I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What I would have loved to have seen is them push the raid race off until the console optimization update. Oh, in December. Right. Like I, I realize it's not realistic, but at least then console would still feel like it has a chance for first. Me personally, I don't understand why PC and console are on the same are not considered separately. Like I get it, and I, I understand that you know the the raids the raid starts simultaneously for both PC and console, but. Everybody knows and everybody accepts the fact that PC is going to be moving a lot faster or has the, at least the capability to move a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, is it really a fair playing field at that point? And if, it's, if you recognize that it's not a fair playing field, then don't, just don't put them together. Like, just be like, okay, fine. Consoles, you have your own race. PC, you have your race. I don't even know why yeah. they include mm-hmm. consoles in the race. Period. Be like if you are on console, you're not in the race. Uh, I think because then then you're telling basically like who everyone because the then you're forcing that's on console people that you don't matter. In, in, exactly. In, but I mean like, that consoles don't matter. You, you're telling two thirds of your population <laughs> that they don't matter. Yeah, that I am PC elitist. <laughs> so, so at this point, Orchid, if we said. Only males matter. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Fine. It's like, that's the same concept here. You're only telling a third of your population, it, even less, if you actually look at the, the numbers, that, you know, it, they don't matter. Yeah, but it's obvious that PCs are going to win. So you're just, all you're doing is making them feel like they have a chance when they don't. So you're just well, lying wasn't. to them. Mm. The, the one thing I am going to argue, uh, it was actually a console group that got second place in Scourge. Yeah, but they didn't get first because they were on console. They still got <laughs> second. Yeah, they're first losers because they were on console. Wow. You're a bitch. <laughs> I'm just watching Wicked's face and it's really funny. (laughs) This is the the point where that trolley boat comes across and just across the screen. At this point, there's no talking to her. It's a wonder why I still do this podcast. I wonder that every single You love this. <clears throat> I just like to rile you up. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah, and it's getting old. Uh, <sighs> it's so right. easy. Stop making it so easy. Uh, let's go to this lore network ad, huh? The lore network. Hey guys, it's Green from Focus Fire Chat. Have you guys ever wanted to listen to just the lore? Like, spend a few minutes consuming the lore in an audio format? 
Well, my new podcast, Destiny Lore Audiophile, does just that. Destiny Lore Audiophile is a podcast where the lore of Destiny is recorded and presented in an audiobook format. No commentary, just pure, sweet lore. Episodes will be about 30 minutes long and released every Thursday. Currently, you can find Destiny Lore Audiophile on Podbean and iTunes at Destiny Lore Audiophile, where the audiophile has a PH instead of an F. Readings of The Singular Exeget, Maracena, Books of Sorrow, and more are already queued up and ready to drop. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single performance of Destiny Lore Audiophile. See you there. Brief intro to topic. This lore book is obtained by doing the Exodus preparation and Exodus evacuation quests. It details the final moments for the characters on planets that are being vaulted in Beyond Light. Asher for Io, Sloan for Titan, Anna for Mars, and Vance for Mercury. We'll be covering this book differently than they're presented in the book itself. Um, we're telling each character's story all the way through, so each episode will be two full characters. So. This book will be all of Asher Mir's story and all of Sloane's story. All right. So I'll be taking the first, first book for Asher. Observation. Man of science though he was, the first thing Asher Mir did was shoot the damn thing. Pyramid hovered inside Io's atmosphere, close enough to be impacted by projectile flung at sufficient speed. In the time it took Asher to blink twice, he knew the angle of attack and the mass of the projectile. Asher finished building the mounted railgun before his coffee had cooled. He charged the magnetic coils, waited for the wind to die down, and broadsided the ship. He had expected the projectile to hit a kinetic barrier, or best case scenario, impact the pyramid and cause utterly infinitesimal damage. Instead, at the moment of impact, the projectile stopped existing. Asher's brow furrowed while an irrepressible smile crept over his face. His metal arm clicked and hummed gently of its own accord. This pyramid had the audacity to park in front of his laboratory and pull such a cheap trick. Clearly, it had not thought it would meet Asher Mir. He assembled another missile, one with detectable radiation signature and a radio signal. He fired it at the pyramid. It similarly disappeared on impact, its signal snuffed out, no longer detectable from Io's surface. Another payload followed, this one a miniature relay station. He routed it through his console and fired. At the moment it touched the pyramid, it transmitted a spike of radiation and radio broadcast. Asher smirked. They were still there. Held in the field of the pyramid, visually undetectable, signals squelched, but still physically there. How the pyramid was accomplishing this feat was unimportant at the moment, though his mind flooded with fantasies of zero-point energy. The question that gave him pause was the what. What was the ship doing to the projectiles as they sat suspended in space in the periphery of its loathsome shape? And why? I love how Asher's first reaction to the pyramid is literally to shoot it. <laughs> like, he gets on Zavala's case about, you know, being a titan and just wanting to headbutt things. 
Mm-hmm. But his first reaction was, oh, shit, shoot. I do like um, that... It just, he says this pyramid had the audacity to park in front of his laboratory and pull such a cheap trick. Like he's, he's so offended. He's like, this is, this is my shit. How dare you? (laughs) I, it was my territory. (laughs) How dare this pyramid come to me? Exactly. How dare you? (laughs) The The pyramidian is mine. Stay yeah. away, Pyramid. <laughs> yeah. And he just like... Um, you know not with who you fuck with. He just builds a rail gun <laughs> while making coffee. He's just like, hole up, let me make this gun while I drink this right? coffee. <laughs> no, before the coffee had cooled. Exactly. So like... He's still got hot coffee as he's finishing the rail gun. Um, There's a part of me that's sitting there wondering if Asher at this point, like as soon as this thing like stops and parks right in front of his relay station, like his little area, like what was it he, what was he doing when this thing first showed up? Like his, his very first initial reaction, like I get that it showed up and then like this part of the thing happened, but was that the immediate, immediate thing? Was there a freak out that involved that happened prior to this or was it just straight up like, the pyramids appear in our space. Asher's sitting here typing away on his computer, and he looks up and he's like, "Hold up!" <laughs> Goes and builds this fucking, thing. and then just turns and, and lets loose on it. Like, was this was this really the initial reaction? Was this a okay? Let's let's start trying to come up with some plans to destroy these things, or was that really like no shit? His first initial reaction was, "I think I'm just going to build a railgun and shoot this thing." <laughs> I want that to be his knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> because that is all the better. I think it's what I think that thing? is his on I think that is actually his honest reaction. Like his first reaction is his very first Yeah, one. I think it like is. Like his like it appears, he looks at it and goes, "Huh." Builds a railgun and fires it. Huh. <laughs> You gotta think, like, because if you don't know what the pyramids are, like, because at this point, maybe Asher knows what the pyramids were, but if that was his initial reaction and it wasn't this, and it wasn't like a, we know for a fact that the, what the that the pyramids are the darkness and that was his initial reaction, like, really, the pyramids don't really have their own sense of necessary ominence or you know ominousness to, to them, they, their geometric shapes and everything like that. So unless you know that that's the darkness. I guess that like maybe the oppressive feel of it might be able to give something to that, so that it just lends to the whole thing or the mental image of Asher's immediate response of, "Oh, that's new. I'm gonna shoot it with a railgun." <laughs> just well, so I I think Asher actually does know about the pyramids because mm-hmm. Eris is dealing with the one on on the moon, and on the moon. Asher and Eris have a close relationship. So, they're dealing with the one on the moon, but there's one there's one small difference is that the one on the moon has no scales. Even though right. it's activated, and that's that's one of the weird things that I've noticed about that is like it would make sense to me that once the pyramid was activated, 
because it has the nightmares and everything, and we were told that's how the nightmares came to be was that Eris activated the pyramid. So why are we seeing scales everywhere else except for the moon at this point? Well, so, so my thinking there is the fact that these new pyramids are still actually part of the cluster, and that first pyramid mm-hmm. on the moon has been lying dormant for eons. So do you think the scales are not necessarily tied directly to each individual pyramid that are on the planet? They just kind of hover around with yeah. those, those pyramids? Okay. Like the pyramid itself is a hive, but you've got mm-hmm. a larger hive mind or cluster or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the little scales that are all the worker bees. Oh. I just like that I, I just I don't know he he doesn't lose his cool and he just goes straight after it right like Asher Mir is slightly terrifying like how fast he reacts mm-hmm. and I always just considered him like a freaking bur- <laughs> a book nerd and he's just straight up savage <laughs> no Asher is Goes straight for the throat. Yeah, he is a straight for the like straight for the jugular kind of like vex arm. Like he's gonna straight up tear your eyeballs out, like Brother Vance kind of (laughs) savage. And so, in near the end of the uh, the entry, it actually mentions zero point energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And after googling it for maybe a minute. it is vibrational energy that molecules retain even at the absolute zero of temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, temperature in physics has been found to be a measure of the intensity of random mo- molecular motion. And it might be expected that as temperature is reduced to absolute, absolute zero, all motion ceases and molecules come to rest. Mm-hmm. In fact, however, the motion corresponding to zero point energy never vanishes. So essentially, the, the rockets are in stasis. Yeah, good choice of word. It's not <laughs> ice powers, it's stasis powers. My question is that the thing that kind of bugs me about that, like, why did they disappear? Because vibra- the lack of vibration or the lack of, mo- like, not having kinetic motion, even, or having the like, smallest, slightest bit of kinetic motion, shouldn't render it out of sight. Yeah. So why would, why would it take away our be- our ability to see the objects. And that's that's where my questioning of like the pyramids and how they work because it, at that point it goes beyond stasis and it's a it's taking it out of our visual spectrum. So I'm trying to figure out like at that point is it a unless taking it out of our reality or is it taking it into another realm, dimension unless it's a hallucinatory it thing. There's that too. Because, I mean, if we're looking at what the, the pyramid on the moon has done, 
like we're seeing mm-hmm. hallucinations and you know the actual nightmares so it's yeah. not outside the realm that because it, it it says you know uh visually undetectable signals squelched but still physically there mm-hmm. so it could be that they're messing with asher's vision especially with the fact that he's so close to it also goes into the whole concept of um whether or not the human mind can actually fathom a specific uh, physical entity, yeah, that might not be, that might not apply to the same dimensional rea- or the same dimensional laws and reality or laws of reality that we have, that could be it too. I don't think it's that we didn't stop seeing it. I think it had just absorbed it. So, like it became part of its structure. Yep. It just went blop. Like we're doing <laughs> like the Focus Fire Chat server. Or like a Discord. <laughs> it Discorded it. <laughs> it could be. We, do, uh, we don't understand says, you know, that. They were, okay. Yeah. Well, because like it says, they were still there, held in the field of the pyramid. Visually mm-hmm. undetectable, signal squelched, but still physically there. Yeah. I wonder what he. I wonder it, what he qualifies as the field. Right. So I, I don't know if he's talking like an actual force field or the just an influence. Some kind of energy aura around it, or what? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Want to read the next card? We'll find out. Yeah, sure. And I'll be reading Asher, Prediction. Asher Mir cursed his way across Io. As he picked his way across the rocky outcrops, he cursed the loose soil underfoot, cursed his oversized pack, cursed the roving taken, cursed the kick of his silicon neroma rifle against his shoulder. He looked up at the pyramid, funneling its foul energies down into the cradle and sneered. Well-read as he was, he didn't have the energy to arrange the required words. It was late during what passed for a night on Io, and while Asher was tired, he hiked on diligently. He stopped only once, briefly, to study a snail whose shell was growing tiny clusters of crystalline black obelisks. He crept down through the cavernous spaces beneath the cradle. Unfamiliar roots protruded from the earthen walls. He calmly observed the pattern of a twitching shrieker, and his calculated ricochet sent a band of Taken roaring down the wrong pathway. He passed unmolested. Eris was in her meager camp near the twisted roots of the enormous tree. She knelt near a beam of light coming from far above, which filtered through the pith of the tree to strike an unnatural splash of cambium petals. Asher noticed the smells of sap and burned cooking oil. 
She said she was pleased to see him, though when she sought to clarify the cadence of his supply drops, he felt she might be put off by the unexpected visit. As he unpacked what he had brought her, she explained the tree, the messages, the whispers, the thrilling struggle to glimpse the face of the unknown, even if that unknown may be trying to kill you. She was smiling as she spoke. Asher understood exactly what she meant. He rested by the fire. Nearby was a small table that held samples of hive chitin, clippings from the tree, ashy soil, and an open notebook that Asher saw was a personal journal, which he quickly flipped shut with distaste. He reached again into his pack. He brought forth a bottle of fine golden spirits from when some towering ignoramus misunderstood his request for isopropyl alcohol and placed it on the table. He had brought two clean glasses nestled ridiculously in the boxy shipping case of a large graduated cylinder. He removed one and placed it gently next to the bottle. Asher coughed, relaced his boots, then stood and shouldered his pack. You have things taken care of, yes? He said to Eris. Certainly, she said, intent on the beam of swirling light. He shifted and made a little noise in his throat. I need to know that things will be taken care of he said clearly. Eris looked over and considered the man standing across for her, from her. To the best of my ability, she finally said. Asher nodded and began his long walk back. That was amazing. So, um, this has kind of a tie-in with the singular exeget with him visiting Eris. Because we know mm -hmm. that she was trying to talk to him so she could season her walk. Because she, we know from, from having just done Singular Exeget that she was obsessed with her fried rice and seasoning her freaking walk. And the only way to do that was to see if she could get something from, you know, Cousin Ashermere since he right. was around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And cousin? there was a mention here. She calls him cousin. Uh, yeah, she does. Cousin. She does call him cousin. And I wondered if she was just calling him cousin. Like, oh, if they were actually. I don't think they're actually cousins. No. I think they're just like. It's just the like, thing is. There's some moments in there that might might be a little awkward. After. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So like, I I think a lot of it stems from the fact that the Awoken are loosely related, related. to humans. Yeah. Eris is human. Mm -hmm. yeah. Asher is Awoken. Mm hmm okay I do know that when you're awoken and you go to the dreaming city they call you cousin yeah um which I'm like okay cousin finger guns <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and oh my God. a lot of that is because they make the difference they, they differentiate <laughs> between Reef Awoken and mm -hmm. Earth Awoken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Al 
Asher noticed the smells of sap and burned cooking oil. And um, I went back to see which entry it was while you were reading, because I remembered that there was one. And it's uh, the eggshell one. And at the very end, um, it says, who would we become if we were all like Eris Morn? Ah, my walk is on fire. So it is after the second entry of the singular exeget is where she sets her walk on fire. So his his scent of burned cooking oil is that gives us a timeline for when he visited her was the second entry. So I really want to see this acted out. So like legitimately. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> this would be amazing. So so at this point the ship, like the pyramid, has been around uh-huh. for at least a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's going to see her. I, I like uh-huh. it. Yeah. So. I like the part where it talks about uh, <laughs> that some towering ignoramus misunderstood my request for isopropyl alcohol. I, <laughs> you know what? As someone who works in the lab, that's happened before, so. And they brought you wine instead? I wish they did. <laughs> Alas, <laughs> I asked for isopropyl, not bourbon. Also, alas, like, but I, but I will take this substitute just as easily. <laughs> Give it. That. I'd love to say they did, but I'm like, no, I need isopropyl alcohol, and they brought me like ethanol. Not the same, at all. They're different. Yeah, that that's a different chemical composition. Yeah, alcohol is alcohol. They're shaped differently. No. <laughs> Yeah, and alcohol is an alcohol, but no. <laughs> they do different things. But it's alcohol. The, yeah, but if you drink one of them, you'll go blind. So. And but we it's also have alcohol. methanol. It, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. That could work That could work better for some people's bar strategies. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I could lend you some methanol. I got a lot of it. It would definitely yeah. up my bar game. Mm. Oh, no. Well, that would imply that there have to be bars open first before we could have a bar game. So This is true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> is there anything else? Oh, yeah. I love that they mentioned the silicon neroma, which is the nightfall weapon for the mm-hmm. Pyramidian. It's my favorite sniper rifle in the game. See, now that's... Which also means that Asher is a sniper. Yes. That's another... Yeah. See, now that, that, like, got my mind going down a tangent of, like, is it really the Nightfall that drops the loot? Or is it the vendor that, like, (laughs) gives us the actual reward for doing the Nightfall? Well, you've heard the theory about Brachion and what's going on there, how right. he's really Brachion. As far as, yeah, how Asher is actually Brachion. Ooh. Have you not heard that mm-hmm. one? No. Yeah. Oh. When, once we read the last one, we'll read. Let's. I'll read the last card, then we'll talk about it. Because this has been yeah. floating around since this came out. I will read the last one. About time. Thank you. Asher, conclusion. As Asher Mir watched his assistant's ship tear into orbit for the last time, 
it occurred to him that he had not expressed how truly satisfactory he had found some of their work. He briefly entertained the thought of leaving a letter, but there were others more deserving of his thoughts, and if he had worked in descending priority, he might never make it to his assistant, which would defeat the purpose of the exercise completely. Instead, he went to the Pyramidian. The Vex are not born, yet not created. Desire to understand this conundrum brought Asher to Io. He reasoned that the pyramid, with its alien resources and unknowable power, had likely come for the same purpose. This dark ship sought to take the secrets of the Vex for itself. But Asher Mir had already staked his claim, and he was prepared to defend it. He soon stood at the gate of the Pyramidian. The Vex security responded as he knew they would, and he was prepared. He piled their broken corpses on the plates and continued inside. He destroyed the first hundred Vex, then the second. A minotaur roared into being before him, and he crushed its radiolarian core in his metal fist. He climbed forward over their clawing limbs. He slipped in the cooling rue of their dead fluid. Asher swallowed a mouthful of blood and kept moving. He paused by a whirling gate and watched the aperiodic waves, then stepped through as the only possible moment. He walked steadily through laser grids that seemed to bend around him. He hung calmly in gravitational turbillion as the ground beneath him flickered and shifted madly, and the Vex began to observe. The corridors of the Pyramidian were lined with glowing red eyes. The metal mannequins stood dumbly, twitching, shuddering as Asher passed. A familiar area unfolded before him. A cubist sinkhole reeking with the flat base stench of slate mud and bleach. He looked where the sky should be and found another impossible shape, another fractal contradiction. Far above him, placid in its Penrose vortex, the vast Radiolarian lake lapped gently at the metallic shores. The man reached up to the lake with his metal arm. He then reached with his arm of flesh. He reached with both, and he brought the lake down. Okay, so for me personally, one of the things that I'm loving about all of this, obviously there's the, the absolute badassness of what's going on with Asher as he's fighting all of these Vex. That just makes him look... Basically, the his physical appearance and the, his interactions with us in game, there's so much injustice done to how big of a badass he is compared to the way he is in this entry. Right. Like, you, you really don't get a grasp for the kind of power that he has and that he's capable of until you read something like this and talks about, basically, he's going into the Pyramidian, doing that strike by himself and just waltzing through it for the first part of it. Like, it's just, it's not a problem like for him. Like, he's soloing a nightfall. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much what's going on here. Is that he is he is soloing this by himself, and we don't really he doesn't even run into anything that is even able to like really doesn't even show that he's getting hurt until after the Minotaur roaring in, um, and he slipped in their freaking their their mind fluid crap. But he even talks about like taking the Minotaur's taking the Minotaur's core and just <laughs> crushing it in his fist like that. <laughs> that alone would just be awesome. 
And we've seen something very similar to that with Saint-14. Like with that moment when Saint-14 came through the Dex gate and just head-butted the crap out of a freaking Minotaur's core. Now, Saint-14 used his head, which obviously, you know, Titan. But think about that. Like, think about Asher Mir just gripping the core and just crushing it in his own fist. Oh, yeah. In a Vex fist, too, by the way. (laughs) Talk about the irony. Like, (laughs) this scene would be amazing if if somebody actually did a cutscene for this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, and then the last part about this, where the the part where I think a lot of it of the theory that we're probably that we're going to be discussing here in a second, you talk it talks about going into the pyramidian where the eyes are just watching him now, and they're just staring at him. Asher is able to look up and he sees the lake, mm-hmm. and then talks about bringing the lake mm-hmm. down. Now, there's a couple different ways. Obviously, you can interpret that. Um, that he's reaching up for the for it with his metal arm and his arm of flesh, and bringing the lake down. It could be talking about destroying it, potentially, and that's that's one way to interpret this. But bringing the lake down around himself is kind of like where that whole thing of the whole like the radiolaria infection and the lake itself. We know that lake, at least according to some of the uh, the audio visuals that we got with some of the trailers before. That lake is where those vex come come together and are built. So bringing that lake down, like if you're reaching up to it and bringing it down around you, then kind of lends to that whole idea. Morgan, do you want to go into um anything? We, I mean, you're bringing it, you're bringing it down around you, and you've kind of because the vex are the fluid, you've kind of become one with it now. And since they kind of transcend mm-hmm. time, you've kind of just turned yourself into the Vex. And for me, at least, it seems like, and I know I'm wrong here, so you can correct me on this, but I feel, I personally feel like he's poisoning the water, so to speak, so the pyramid can't have it. Because he's very much like, if I can't have it, no one can have it. Because it's my waifu. I found it first. <laughs> this well, is he, my pyramid. And and he specifically <laughs> calls that out. You yeah. Know, but Asher Mur had already staked his claim. And he was prepared yeah. to defend it. Right. So he becomes... I think that's one he of eventually... I mean, he's becoming a Vex. Which, like, we've been seeing... Like him growing well, into one. Yeah, and it's yeah. either he's he's either destroying the lake completely so that nobody can have it, or he's becoming that which he or hates. he's doing something to the lake to where he can defend it. And that's where I think it goes into the whole thing about the silicon aroma being the drop from Brachion, is that it's not so much even a drop from the vendor so much as Brachion drops the silicon aroma, mm-hmm. and if the silicon aroma was Asher Mir's sniper rifle is sent with the detachment from time and space and everything like that is Brachion who is supposed to be the defender of the uh, of that gateway into the Mm -hmm. lake is that actually Asher Mir he's Marty McFlying this bitch yep uh huh Mm -hmm. 
So I don't know if you like that, but a lot of people have been kind of like throwing it around since. It it's just like a nice little thing. It, it would be interesting. Mm -hmm. So it, essentially, Brachion infects Asher. Asher goes through his ent you know entire life, or at least what he has left of it. And then the pyramid shows up. He brings the, the lake down, becomes Brachion. And then because of Vex time travel and all that, he goes back in time to actually infect himself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we kill Asher. Yeah. I don't like that theory. <laughs> <laughs> I like Asher has really grown on me. Honestly, and I think this is a really great send off for him. It is. It, it is a good send off for him. I'm trying yeah. to remember how he specifically gets infected. I don't remember. Because the arm was transformed by Brachion. That much we know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I do remember that there was a point where he had his arm ripped off. I believe was one of the things. Was that he had he there was a burning or at the very least there was a burning sensation in his arm. I'm trying to find It's on the silicon neuroma. Uh, mm -hmm. It specifically says, Ash can't watch this time. He frantically searches for a way out, and a tentacle grabs his ghost. A millisecond of pain mm -hmm. in his shoulder, and everything goes white. So, Doesn't he wake up with his arm in the radiolarian fluid? Or wasn't there something about that, where he woke up with his arm the, in there? The next time we actually see, like, chronologically, the next time we actually see Asher... Mm-hmm was when he was in the uh, the hospital wing of the old tower and Eris goes to visit him. Mm -hmm. hmm. So maybe a couple different possibilities as far as or questions raised at the very least as far as, okay, did the tentacle that grabbed his ghost uh, all hente references aside at the moment um, the tentacle that grabbed his ghost, did that infect him through the ghost, perhaps? Because I know that's one of the things that it talks about when the ghosts are looking... Their ghosts are the ones who establish that uh, that blueprint that have to do, use for resurrection. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. So if the infection came from the ghost... So, so here's the thing. Asher hasn't actually had a res since then. Because he's afraid that if he does, that it's going to be a resurrection as a vex. Yes. Or, you know, it, a million things could go wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find mm. more information about this. Because this... My question is, if if he is indeed Brachion, what happened to his ghost? Did his ghost turn into a harpy? <laughs> It's the it's the new fish ghost in Beyond Light. <laughs> the cuttlefish. I no, really uh, honestly, the two <laughs> could so have become one. I mean, yeah, it could. Watch it be the uh, Brachion sniper rifle is actually. Because <laughs> when you think about it, that's what it is. Brachion is a or uses a sniper. He's basically a gigantic hob, hobgoblin. Yeah. 
So, I mean, maybe that's what it is, is that whenever we beat Brachion, we're actually defeating the ghost that's taken, or the ghost Vex, the Vex ghost that's actually taken over the rest of Asher Mir and his sniper rifle. Could be. Yeah, because there's, there's nothing about how his actual infection came about other than Brachion did it. Mm-hmm. So it could be that it, it was from Radiolaria, but if that is the fact, then why aren't our Guardians infected? Because we step in Radiolaria all the time. I specifically do it so that I can proc Right, how I do it too. Right, exactly. <laughs> So like num, num, then num, num, are num, we num. infected with with the vex affliction that Asher has? It, no. So there has to be something more than that. Which is which is where I kind of lean towards the okay, was the did that tentacle somehow affect his genetics? Cuz the ghost the ghosts if you think about it, the ghosts have a direct tie-in to our genome, to everything about what we are. Um, they're able to resurrect us at a cellular level. And the ability to control our regeneration and our resurrection at a at an atomic or at a subatomic level from practically nothing, because uh, they've they've resurrected us from everything from bone to what you know all kinds of stuff. They've they've talked about there's been all kinds of debates about what has to be left over in order for them to resurrect someone. Yeah. Um, but just the ability to control our our subatomic or our, uh, our molecular structure like that, they inherently, if, if the ghost got infected with Vextech, like it could, com- at that point, it would not be beyond imagination. I would think that it could command Radiolaria to start consuming your human flesh. And I think that's the biggest part about it is that if you look at like things like SIVA and other things like the the technological side of it, it acts like just like a computer program does. And unless it's being acted upon by a will or by a command, it's not necessarily going to do anything unless it's being told to do it. So like maybe the radiolaria isn't necessarily always trying to consume us, but if there is a program telling it to do it, then it will actively start consuming I, us. I could see that. And, and I guess consume is the wrong word. It would be more convert. But yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, converting. I don't know. Assimilate. Assimilate, replicate. We are the Borg. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to see more from Asher in the future. Just mm-hmm. so we can, like, this is the perfect send off, but I feel like there's more to his story. You know, I feel like there's more to all of their stories. Like, I don't feel like their stories are completely over. Right. Which is nice. Like, I do feel like they're all kind of going into battle and we won't hear from them again. But at the same time, like, they're guardians. It's it's literally that sci-fi trope. It's one of those where you hope to do. It's Mm -hmm. literally that, that trope that, you know, warriors are heading into battle. And then it jumps, you know, a year from now or whatever. Like, you don't know if they survived, and then all of a sudden they're going to crop up sometime later on. 
Can you imagine if, like, halfway through Beyond Light, Ashramir comes back and he's got Brachion, like, half of Brachion's head built into his own face? <laughs> like, the, like, yeah, he's got, he's got, like, the cable thing going on from Marvel and, like, half of his body's Vextech, the other half is human. Hey, guys, no. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would be all right with that. I would be all right with that because then, like, you can actually draw the connection that he is Brachion. Mm-hmm. Whereas, it, like, when okay. I initially read this, I just thought, oh, he's mm-hmm. becoming more Vex. So they're not, yeah. like, the ones that are actually in the Pyramid and aren't fighting mm-hmm. him. Right. I am become Simbai. Oh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, time to All move right. on. Yeah. Are we ready to move on to Sloan? Yep. Miss, Miss Bad Mamma Jamma yeah, herself. Would you like to read the first one again? I would love to. Awesome. Punch it. All right. Overseer. Deputy Commander Sloan watched the overloaded Vanguard skiff dip close to the waves. Watch it! She barked into the communicator, and the craft straightened out. That's liquid methane down there. And if you and if it don't kill you, the Leviathan will. Come on, ain't no Leviathan, said the pilot, his voice kept crackling. He was some boy from the city who couldn't have been more than 17 years old. And if that's methane, how come you don't even got a helmet on? Sloan grinned. She wasn't used to backtalk. Because I moisturized, short-timer, Sloan said in a squelch to the comms. A fallen catch screamed overhead, and Sloan was on the catwalk outside the rig in a flash. She bellowed at the man working on the deck to cover clear of the cargo as she drew her scout rifle and dropped to a knee. The first few dregs were dead before they hit the ground, but the winds whipping off the sea sent her next shots wide. She figured the landing party would go for the cargo shuttle over her men, so she spun to take a sight line toward the craft, but the things were charging for the supplies instead. She cursed and leapt over the railing, landing like a crash of lightning. Her earpiece sprang to life. Sirens watch. This is supply craft Vienna Stinger looking for a place to put down. Landing pad 5, south side, she shouted over the crack of her rifle. Offload what you brought and I'll have the supply team swing by in a minute. She plugged two more dregs, and the catch's engines changed from a war to a whine. A half-hearted volley of wire rifle fire splattered the landing pad from the catch as it blasted away. Sloan called out to her team. No fatalities. Nothing taken but two crates of fresh supplies. She ordered the team to the next landing pad and began climbing the long stairs back to her perch. They hadn't hit while they were loading the Golden Age technology for shipment back to the city. They were after the supplies. They were leaving. She looked up at the pyramids in the sky and frowned. The door to her office closed and sealed with a hiss. A soft blue light on the panel promised that the seal was airtight. Sloan walked across the room to watch the seas through the open hole blown in the side of a rig. So we're starting with action. All right. Yee. I like the, the little back and forth at the beginning because it's stuff mm-hmm. that we've 
we as as players have wondered all the time like if that's frozen like if that's methane liquid methane that's raining down why doesn't she have a helmet i'm moisturized right like it doesn't go into the science of it but like she's still cracking wise then it's oh mm -hmm. i love it um <laughs> The one thing I do want to point out, she calls mm -hmm. out the Leviathan. We are not talking about the Leviathan from, you know, Callus's ship or the Leviathan from Books of Sorrow. We are just talking about the general term Leviathan being mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. large creature of unknown origin. Right. It's the giant, like, sea. The giant worm Sea, yeah, the giant sea worm. sea worm dragon thing uh -huh. that that if you get under the map, the it, it's just a huge donut. It's just a huge donut. Yeah, the donut snake. <laughs> donut snake. Yeah. I will say this though, if I'm not wrong, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time that the Leviathan is actually referred to as a capital L. Yes. So, because they're using it as a name, the Leviathan. Which, granted, we have at this point, what, three Leviathans mentioned in the lore now? One one for calluses, one for the thing inside the ocean. It's like... And then one in the Books of Sorrow. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no points for originality. Could you guys <laughs> well, maybe, yeah, come up with a different <laughs> name? <laughs> well, and, and, like, them calling it capital L Leviathan is literally taking... A note from Orchid's playbook. Yep. It's just instead of naming it Chuck, they named it Leviathan. Yep. It's just Chuck or this Chuck is Larry. Jr. Exactly. They could have called it Leviathan <laughs> Junior at least, like to note the difference between the two. But like, at least I know the difference. But like, mm -hmm. Sloane probably doesn't know about the Leviathan from from Books of Sorrow, because that's Hive yeah. stuff. Why? All I need to know is to shoot it. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing with the uh, the Ammonite. How we've got the Ammonite that are in the Books of Sorrow, and then we've got the Ammonite that are on Io that are the actual fossils. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. There's this correlations here and there between things, and it, it makes sense because, you know, the Leviathan is a sea creature that, you know, in human mythology and everything like that, so it makes sense. Uh, it's just... I love the fact that there's so many little small correlations there where it's just like, yeah, but what if this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the fact that it looks like a giant, or that it looks like what Zol was on Mars, it, it does not help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Considering, like, one of the early theories about that Leviathan was that it was Oryx's worm. Yes. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I wanted to point out is that even the Fallen realize what's going on, and they're trying to get supplies so that they can get out mm -hmm. of Dodge. Deuce out. Yeah. 
Yeah, Fallen are definitely taking the dead orbit approach. Yeah. It's like, nope. <laughs> this place is screwed. Fuck this We're gone. Shit, I'm out. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Let's see. All right. Do you want to read the next one? I, here's, I, I do have one oh, other yeah. question. One small uh -huh. question before we go anywhere. That last paragraph. The door to her office closes and sealed with a hiss. A soft blue light on the panel promised that the seal was airtight. She walked across the room to watch the seas through the open hole blown in the side of her rig. Yeah. Airtight from what? <laughs> it just shows that the door was like, yes, it is airtight now. And it's just, you know, the door is silly. Like, so, right. Like, I, I see it being that there was a mechanism built into the door to say, oh, we are just completely airtight, shut no matter what. But it doesn't yep. take into account okay. the actual room itself. Yeah. It's just it's the just locking the me mechanism. Just... Mm -hmm. Okay, because oh, uh, usually whenever I'm dealing with airtight stuff, it's talking about like naval ships and right. stuff like that, and it, that deals with right. pressurized environments. So like I'm immediately, right. that was immediately where my mind went. I'm just like, the room is airtight. <laughs> I'm looking out this huge hole, massive gaping hole. <laughs> no, I, I I think it's literally it's a self-contained system, but it's just the lock mechanism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And gotcha. It, it doesn't look at the actual room itself. So there's a huge hole in the actual room, but it's only looking at the lock. The door is, the door is good. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doors locked. But what uh, about this hole? Yeah, worst security system ever. <laughs> All right. Let's see. All right. I'm going to cover Sloan, Wavebreaker. Deputy Commander Sloan was in a foul mood, and Amanda Holliday, bless her heart, had no idea. Titan's waves crashed relentlessly against the massive support struts of Siren's Watch. Were things different, a crew would be down there right now, swinging between the mammoth legs, working to repair and stabilize. But things weren't different. You can throw together a box of girder and reinforce it. No problem, Amanda said. You can. I can't, said Sloane. While she had built a few walls, Amanda had an enviable engineering background to fall back on, though it seemed she wasn't much of a teacher. Amanda's hologram slurped ramen. How long do you need to last for? Long enough to get it out of my mind, said Sloane. Since it started wobbling, I haven't even had time to worry about the pyramid. Small favors, chirped Amanda. Sloane ran a hand through her coarse hair. Come on, Amanda groaned. You're sitting on a mess of Golden Age technology on Titan. There's got to be an engram with a bridge inside it. Sloane stared flatly. That might actually be true. But Sloane didn't have time to hunt for lost technologies. Make a wave breaker then. Tetrapods bolted against the struts. Or better yet, 
something out in the sea to break the wave early. If you can't take it when it hits you, you go out and hit it before it gets started. Like this. Amanda leaned forward and did something in a robin bowl that Sloane obviously couldn't see. You're not looking, Amanda said, and tilted her bowl forward just enough to spill broth over her desk. She cried out with laughter. I'm hanging up now, said Sloane, and after a cheery wave at Amanda's melodramatic pout, she did. The hologram faded out, leaving Sloane in the dark. She stayed there for a long time. There's an engram with a bridge inside it. And they're just like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> There's a bridge engram. That and that's just like, I keep, mm -hmm. I forget because we just get weapons and like armor pieces and small things inside engrams that it's just data that's been shrunk down into like a portable size or something mm -hmm. that's been converted into data essentially is that what an engram is or am i miss it? yeah it's it's code it's uncoded or it's it's data that has been basically not given form right is essentially from my, my understanding so it can it. be anything you can you can transfer or you can change it into anything so long as you because we right get ships in yeah. engrams so yep. there literally could be bridges in engrams yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I mean, it's amazing. Like, consider, like, engineers could build bridges elsewhere at like bridge building facilities, shrink it into an engram, pop it into a ship, and just like, and just yeah, and then just bring <laughs> it to wherever the bridge needs to go, and then like unpack it, like, you know, rahul yeah. it into Cons place. That's um, that's gonna be a that's new in, thing. That's insane. I'm a Rahul, I'm a Rahul this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, like that's that level of technology like boggles the mind that they had that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you take into account what is our monetary system. Glimmer, Glimmer? yeah. 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 Glimmer is just un or is it's unprocessed data. Yeah. Or data. It, that's what it is. It's programmable matter. It's yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. See, I'm starting to wonder, and, and like, there's nothing to support this. It's pure headcanon. Nice. What if the actual engrams are made of glimmer? <sighs> so then, I would say that they probably are. I, w I would actually say yeah. So that's probably exactly what they are. When we pick it up glimmer. and it actually turns into something, it's literally our ghost decoding the glimmer and then repro, you know giving it the go code mm -hmm. interesting but what if we pick up one by accident and instead of it's a blue it's a bridge that's always a thought yeah there you go Rahul power <laughs> now has a new structure <laughs> it's just a no, no, no. <laughs> no like hey we killed Oryx he dropped an engram <laughs> and all of a sudden a bridge just appears on the dreadnought. It's a bridge piece. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Think about this though. If it like if it legitimately took like the engram matter from those specific events that you had going on around you, Oryx drops a freaking drops an umbral or drops an engram or some shit. Take it to Rahul and you're like, here, can you decode this? And he's like, sure. 
Oryx's head <laughs> appears and like just this massive freaking head appears in the middle of the tower and everybody's just sitting there staring at you like <laughs> what I needed something like, for my wall what the hell I needed something for my like, wall I thought it was a ki- yeah I thought it was a grenade launcher I'm sorry <laughs> I was looking for a sidearm my bad <laughs> you think about it though like there could be any number of items that could be turned into engrams right can you imagine how much trouble you would get in if you were in, in charge of transporting engrams and you lost track of what was what? Ooh. God help you if you worked for Walmart. Ooh. <laughs> like the number of different things. Oh, no. Ooh. That would be awful. Amazon would be really fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, man. Your package from Amazon has arrived. Please click this engram to unpack. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a freaking ship. There's a gigantic ship now sitting in your front yard. And you're like, the hell is this? This was supposed to be a bird feeder. <laughs> the person who gets the bird feeder is just like, I am not opening something from Mr. Freaking Sex Toys Fantastic Rides or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god. But no, so well, like, anyway, that's, yeah. that's my headcanon is that. Mm-hmm. Engrams are literally made of compressed, encrypted mm-hmm. glimmer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, whenever our ghost decrypts it, or whenever we go to a crypt dark, it actually just restructures the glimmer into whatever object. I'd agree with that. I just love it. I love the whole idea of it. Yeah. And like I said, it's Guys. headcanon. There's no actual proof. No. I was just looking for it. The only thing we really have is that engrams are encrypted matter and glimmer is mm-hmm. reprogrammable matter. I like it. Geef. <clears throat> Alright. Anything else? I like Amanda's little thing going on here. About this derpy. Oh, Amanda with is so adorable. <laughs> Try, trying to cheer up Holiday, or trying Holiday trying to uh, cheer, up cheer, Sloan. Up Sloan. cheer up Sloan. And she's and she's just like, yeah, you're not paying attention, just looking to boat. <laughs> she's doing it wrong. <laughs> Sloan's I like, I'm hanging it, up now. <laughs> I kind of took it and like the little pout. a sisterly mm-hmm. bond. Yeah. Like the younger mm-hmm. sister's like, like, hey, look at this. You're not looking. This is my sister and I, these conversations. She's like, like this. You're not looking. I'm hanging up now. (laughs) Goodbye. No, wait. You're not looking. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye now. No, wait. Come back. It's like, nope, nope. I'm hanging up on you. (laughs) Stop. Cease and desist. Like perfect aim. <laughs> Sick burn. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, with the sick, sick burn. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna read this last card. Um, this is called Ryastrad. I think that's how you say it. Yep. Nice. Nailed it. 
After she watched the Guardian ship roar off Titan for the last time, Deputy Commander Sloan went into her office and put on the Golden Age technology she had claimed from the Hive. The heavy power source hung from her shoulders like a bandolier. She draped it across her neck and stepped into the suit, vast and clumsy. As she bowed her head into the gray hood, a view screen appeared before her. She did not understand the language. Not yet, but chose the green option. With a hiss, the suit conformed to her shape. It was heavy, but she had full range of movement. She focused on her arm, concentrated, and the material scabbed into thick armored plates. That was something. She tried to form arc energy, but the suit blocked her light. Or perhaps she would have to learn how to flex her light through the suit. She selected another option with her eyes, and selected again to confirm. There was no pain as she felt the suit snake a cold tube through her side and coil somewhere near her stomach. That answered a few of her questions. Sloan lurched outside. There was a storm, like Titan was trying to drive off the invader that sat lazily in its sky. She walked into the gale, and the rain beaded on her second skin. Each step was easier than the last as the suit adjusted to her gait. A symbol flashed, and a hive thrall charged her. She gripped it by its neck and arm before tearing it apart. It was so easy. She laughed then, and the suit interpreted it as a battle cry and amplified it, broadcasted it. The sound echoed off the discarded shipping containers on the rainy landing pads, echoed through Siren's watch and up towards the pyramid. Lightning flashed in the sky as a storm raged on. Yeah, I'm just going to say this entry is all kinds of creepy. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to say that right now. Like, because to me, what I'm what I'm visualizing here is essentially Sloan stepping into a hive night. Like, become, like assuming, like, to me, that's what I'm seeing. It's like, basically, she's grabbing onto the exterior or the husk of a hive. Because if you, if you think about the way the hive look as far as, like, they've got the worm that's stuck in the head. And then everything else looks kind of like an exoskeleton. Oh, yeah. If you think about that, as like an, if, so, with me looking at the hive like that in that mindset, I'm basically looking at her as stepping inside of an actual hive knight's body. Ew. And, like, all the stuff, you, you think about it, the hive knight's armor actually comes down and covers where the uh, human head would be at, so it would actually cover her eyes, and you'd have essentially the heads-up display and everything like that going on inside. So, like, the idea of her doing that and basically using a hive body as an exosuit and running around on Titan is, like, a hybrid human, hybrid hive knight, <laughs> just running up and grabbing Thrall, choking him to death, and then scraped like laughing a battle cry mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's an awesome visual the only thing i'm gonna argue is that it says she put on golden age technology she had claimed from the hive mm-hmm. i'm so, thinking it's just chinese or something that she couldn't read yeah and 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 that's the other part about it is that she put on golden age technology that she had claimed from the hive but the more we look back on it though Look at some of the other Golden Age technology that we've had that was got... That, that we repurposed from like other from, alien... Yeah. yeah, that we repurposed from other stuff. <laughs> right, right. Like... All I'm getting at is... So... When I first read this, I just took it as, like, sturdier mm-hmm. armor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, she really looked like a Titan rather than with the flimsy mm-hmm. stuff she's got on now. I guess the other the other parts of it, they kind of lean towards the green, like the green writing. She chose the green writing option for a language that she didn't understand yet. Like, I know it's probably more along the lines of maybe a human language that she wasn't taught. Like, for instance, that they had, like, um, Japanese or they had... Uh, Russian or you know something something of that nature with the space colonies uh, written into it. So either that or maybe something like a mobile suit Gundam. See right. now when right. I was the when I read it, I pictured her climbing into a fucking Gundam outfit because I'm a weeb, mm-hmm. and I was like, cool. <laughs> and then you said, oh no, she climbed straight up into a hive. I'm like, oh. That's right. This is a Destiny Lore podcast. This isn't this awesome Gundam time. Well, well, see, that's the thing. Like, can you imagine, though, like, uh, how creepy, and this is the part that where I'm just kind of sitting there like, okay, it's leaning towards the creepy part. When a tube pushes itself into your side and wraps around your stomach, like, the suit itself is pushing inside mm-hmm. your body and wrapping itself around inside your stomach... Like, that, to me, definitely has way creepier vibes to it oh, than yeah. human tech. Oh, so... You know? the We actually... <laughs> I am going to bring this up. We talked about this on Focus Fire Chat, because Green mm-hmm. and Blue were talking about this before we started, and they said that it's a lot of... They, they're like, oh, it's a colostomy bag, essentially. And I'm like, that's fucking gross. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like, why are you two the way I mean, you are? <laughs> I could, I could, I, like, I could understand that being a, an explanation for it, but it's like, if that, if it, I would not go through that kind of a pain <laughs> or that kind of intrusion to my body for a colostomy bag. <laughs> well, just, I mean, you could, like, work for hours on the outside hull of a ship and, like, yeah, not have to go inside to take a poo. I guess I don't know. Like, but at the same time, like, how how necessary is that? <laughs> well, well, like, I mean, it, if it really is, <laughs> it, it depends on what the actual armor is. Because mm-hmm. if it's difficult to put on and take off and put on it again, like, I could see it. It's mm-hmm. like, hey. I'm in the middle of, you know, a gunfight. I can't exactly poo. The other thing that to think about this, she focused on her arm, concentrated, and the material scabbed into thick armor plates. I'm wondering if this was Siva. Oh. I didn't even consider that. That's interesting. I had neither. Because talking about, yeah, you know, like the heavy power source hung from her shoulders like a bandolier. So you've got, basically, she's draped it across her neck, stepped into the suit, and it was vast and clumsy, right? It was it was much bigger than her. Okay, so I'm thinking the first initial thing for that, if we're thinking straight up mobile suit Gundam style, mobile suit Gundam style. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But like you think about you think about the uh, Rasputin uh, constructs that we ran into, yeah. 
how the big one, the big gigantic ones that we ran into in the, the heavy um, frames, the last event that we did with Rasputin. Yeah, the heavy frames. Like stepping into one of those is wh- where my mind first went with the Mobile Suit Gundam mm-hmm. port, and then talking about with a hiss, the suit conformed to her shape, and all of a sudden it's like shrink wrap. Yeah, it like was a heavy form, but she. Yeah, it's it's heavy, so it's dense. So there's a there's a bunch of dense matter about her, but she has full range of motion. So if you got full range of movement, like what, specifically with military, whenever we talk about using exosuits, um, when you're talking about full range of motion, you are literally talking about like the circle of movement around your arms having the exact same capabilities. This that. So essentially, what she's saying is, she's wearing a very dense suit that is her size. That it's basically a compacted suit around her. So it went from this massive hulking thing, shrink wrapped down to essentially armor for her, like de- deliberately for her shape. That's why I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if it can make that kind of a transformation from that massive and around to yeah. shrink wrapped down on her body, and it's matter manipulation. It, so it wouldn't specifically be I glimmer. Think, I think SIVA. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think Siva is definitely within the capability of, especially once it goes from, she, once her will was focused on it, yeah, and it was thought and thought process and everything like that, and then it scabbed over to create the armored plates. Definitely think there's some room there for that. I like that idea. I do too. I like it a lot. Do you guys have anything else about this? Do you like how Sloane kind of ended her story? Just straight up going to go punch it? It's just like how Asher it, ended it. it. It's Yeah. It can be taken as an ending until we get the character back. Right. And then it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. she survived. But it's a good send-off. Mm-hmm. The other part about like thinking about it, like this is kind of a creepy send off too. Oh yeah. Like if you really, oh it's completely like, creepy. Because talking, the fact that she like she's ripping the pipe apart and tearing them apart and then starts laughing about it, like there's a, there's a level of like yeah that's badass and then there's also a level of, I think she might be losing her mind a little bit here, like <laughs> if you really think about like what this situation looks like from a distance. Where she's just like tearing people apart, and she's like, <laughs> lightning flashing down it's around like her, literally tearing the head off and laughing, and yeah, the lightning mm-hmm. helps there as well. Like, yeah, this is a creepy scene, mm-hmm. and the fact that like she's laughing, and then the suit is like, mm-hmm. no, let's put this on stereo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like. That probably doesn't help. No, that's great. That's what makes it great. I guess he's just like, oh, yeah. Ah! <laughs> oh, yeah. And now I'm picturing the wizard laugh. Yep. And you think about the wizards, the way they laugh, and like that. <laughs> and that's what came out of the suit. It goes back mm-hmm. to the hive. God damn it. All right. Shall we? Hive had enough of that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that was right. Sloan and well. Do you think? Okay, we'll we'll end it here. But do you think we'll see 
Sloane and Asher again then. Wicked. I don't think we're going to see Asher again. I think we might see Sloane again. Uh, and the only reason I say that is because I think... I, I legitimately think that there's some that there's some validity to the Asher Mir becoming Brachion theory. Um, or at the very least, his dedication to staying with the the, uh, the Pyramidian mm-hmm. that is either going to end his life or lead to him being permanently consumed within the Vex. Uh, I think his story ended well uh, there as it sits, or if it's carried on, it'll be carried on as Brachion. Um, or as a future iteration of Brackermere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with Sloan, I think there's definitely enough there to where there's enough kind of loose hanging thread there to be like, okay, let's say she makes it. Let's let's say that, you know, yes, the darkness is there, but if it's not there to kill everything on the planet and it's there to start working with the uh, the Guardians or if it's, if the darkness's idea is really to turn us to darkness, then it's going to take those other Guardians and it's going to take, it's going to try and do some things to those Guardians, I think. So, I think there's there's some room there for Sloane's storyline to actually play into the darkness theme. Hmm. Well, Miss, what about you? I actually think that we will see both of them later on. It, like, it okay. won't be for a while. But right. I think we're going to see them again. Um, and a lot of that boils down to the fact that just the way that they ended... It, it's literally they're charging into battle. We don't know the outcome. We never see a body. And with a lot of fiction, if you don't see a body, suspect they're still alive. Right. So I I would like to see a continuation of at least Asher's story because mm-hmm. of the infection. Yeah. And because mm-hmm. we have no actual proof about what how that infection really came about or you know what it's actually doing aside from just converting him mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm hopeful yeah I think me too I don't know if we'll see Sloan again um, the, I hope the suit would protect her but I don't know what her end game is except to like commit suicide via punching a giant pyramid ship like like use your brains lady i know that seems like a great idea but i'm i don't know if she's just been you know exposed to it too long or if the suit is making her crazy pants if we take a lesson from what asher mir did freaking if if sloan launches herself yeet titan style at the pyramid it's just going to keep her held in place she's just going to be there (laughs) forever Yeah. Invisible um, to, to actual people, but you know. Yeah, just hanging out. She'll be there, just yeeting herself yep. for eternity. Eternity <laughs> eating. Um, I do like want to see Asher again. I, like I, the Almighty. Yeah. Oh, that poor guardian. That well, not anymore. For not anymore. Not anymore for the guardian. Yeah. That poor guardian. Yeah. That's another oh. storyline that I want to see something for. Yeah. I, th- I think that storyline's done. 
Like, because the whole thing about the Guardian, like, the, when they were talking about that, like, I realize it's still not the finite or the absolute explanation, but the way, if you look at it, the way that they explain the darkness zones in that specific entry, talking about how the, you look through a timeline. Right. And find a blueprint and then bring that blueprint forward. I think the whole point of that was basically saying that there was there is no realm of possibility or there is no existence where this guardian did not end up uh, in this situation, stuck on the Leviathan in this freaking position. So right. there's I can't resurrect him from another timeline. Right, but that was at so a specific that, point in time. Correct. And which means if that was all if if that was the case and it all all points across time at that moment where he was stuck in the black hole from that point in time all of them were going to end up dying unless there's a timeline where we didn't kill the or where we didn't kill it so maybe that maybe there is something there to play with but if all of the uh, almighty's got destroyed then he would be destroyed with it it also depends on how the the time bubble worked there but anyway correct yeah Anyway, um, shout-outs, guys. <laughs> Wicked, do you have any shout-outs? Anything for us to look forward to? Um, okay, so a couple different things to look forward to, but uh, shout-outs first. Thank you to you two for having yeah. me on. Greatly appreciate it. You guys are uh, the last last show I get to do this year. Uh, I'll be busy doing workups and everything like that, so uh, appreciate you guys having me on and doing some lore stuffs. Uh, good times for all. Um as far as things coming up, uh, there's going to be this show releasing. I've got Spinful Theory podcast show is going to be releasing soon. Um, when I come back from deployment, uh, I'll be launching my graphic novel uh, for all my Patreons. So that's going to be coming. Um, and that's essentially what I'm going to be doing there is that since I can't participate in GCX this year, um, I'm purchasing all the materials and everything else uh, out of pocket and then everything as far as product or as far as um, what do you call it? profits that are coming out of it will be going to St. Jude's and that's going to be my way of donating to the uh, the GCX fund oh, wow. nice. since I'll be out of Thank pocket you. but yeah. Um, but yeah that's that's pretty much the big things for me right now and huge shout out to you guys for bringing me on and uh all the the Lord Network and the wonderful people in it. Yay! Always. Lots of friends and lots of friends yeah. and family. So. Absolutely, Alamis. What about you? Shout out to Ishtar Collective as always. Um. And. Been a really slow week, so I. Think. That's. No, you know what? Shout out to Mrs. Hyven. She's helped me keep my sanity this week. So. Yeah. That's good. Hi, Mrs. Sivan. Anyone Orchid. else? Shout out. Um, shout out to Sedshi and Deadman for being very patient with me being dead for half of a at least 90% <laughs> of a Grandmaster Nightfall in the Corrupted mm-hmm. we don't have proof that it was 90% but I'm fairly certain it was 90% of the time because those uh, 
this arc hits from those knights slap. <laughs> it was not good. And yeah, um, <sighs> I think that's about it. I guess every I'm actually um, shout out to Green specifically because the wildfires in Colorado just got super super out of control like last night and now she's under evacuation Mm -hmm. and like I'm like oh I know how that is (laughs) that was me like a month ago so are they under evacuation now? I thought they. Uh, like, I think hers pulled got back. pulled, but when you're still like okay. 15 miles away or like just yeah. outside of evacuation, you're, you're just like sitting there alert. waiting. Yeah, right. like your yeah, stuff is still packed, still and you're the... just like, do I unpack the car, even no. if I'm like on the edge yeah. of the evacuation order area? What do I do? Yeah. Every... So, I know it's how that is, and it's really stressful. It's a hyper stressful. So. Like, and you can only do so much. Like, my scar- my car still isn't unpacked. So, like, I get it. I understand. Yeah. So, like, my, all my love goes out to people in Colorado who are dealing with all of that. So, if you need someone to talk to and, you know, your life is on fire, my DMs are open. <laughs> Literally <laughs> and figuratively, yeah. <laughs> Um, so reminders you can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore you can find me at hey it's orchid or elmist at i underscore am underscore elmist you can also find wicked at wicked jester w-y-k-i-d j-e-s-t-r if you want to say hi to him on Twitter as well you can send us an email at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com you can find us on Instagram at guardians of lore you can leave us a review wherever you can leave reviews, like iTunes, all those places that aren't Spotify. Uh, join our Discord. There is a link on our Twitter account, and we'll be tweeting out another um, invitation in the next week or so, so we can kind of scoop up all the Focus Fire chat people. Um, Wicked, where can we find you once more? Um, you can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, um, Reddit. And pretty much anywhere that you that Destiny content can be found, you'll you'll probably be able to find a profile for me on Xbox, PC, and PlayStation. Yay! It was so fun having you. Thank you so much for coming today. It's always a pleasure having you. Good to be back. Yay. Yeah, thanks, Wicked. It's good to be good to be back with yeah. you guys. Absolutely. Everybody, sing.